All good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. How many of you drive a Honda? All right. Anybody else drive a Honda? Check for your keys. For a substantial offering to the church, you can get home. So it has a little red flashlight on it. Whose keys are these? Anybody? Oh, no, I want to know who it is. That's, that's, so if it's not yours and you're too embarrassed to come and get them, then send somebody else. Anybody want to lose or want to get their keys? Or we can sell it and give it to um, Teen Challenge, right? Are they your keys? No way. Oh, you're going to give me money for the keys. Oh, a Pentecostal handshake. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I heard one of my hockey mates say this. They said, Every, everyone is worried about the economy this year. My hairline is in recession. My waistline is in inflation. And altogether, I'm in depression. I thought it was true. So, yeah, somebody got it. Yeah. Um, Fact of the matter is people face all different types of problems and pain as a part of their everyday existence. And normally people face the stresses of life and just keep, we try to keep plowing through day after day and occasionally the pressure gets to them and they crack and they crumble and they crash. And they're left hurting and they're left hopeless. And for many in our society today, hopelessness has become their existence. And it's at this point we have to strive to discover how uh, the pressure of life can actually help us find hope uh, instead of despair. As you've heard today numerous times, the first candle is that of hope. And we're going to look at ho how hope in Christ relates to Advent and Christmas and also our own lives today. We're going to be looking at a variety of scriptures, but we're going to begin with this passage of hope. Fulfilled from Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, which said, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hope is an important theme relating to Advent season and leading up to Christmas. Our, our world is in desperate need of hope. And many people today live without hope or actually have given up on hope. But Christ came. To bring us hope. And that's what we want to see in the scriptures today. I want to look at three aspects of hope today relating to Jesus and Christmas. And for the next four weeks, we're changing up our order of our gathering. Because we know that many of you count the songs and how many we do songs and where prayer comes in. But we want to actually change things up. We want to give you some response time to either ponder the word that is spoken or to be in a time of worship. We will be doing communion at the end of the gathering. Yes, parents, you'll be able to pick up your kids, but before that, we're taking time out here. We're taking time out as a family. And so I want to encourage you to just to open your hearts and ask the Lord, what do you want to speak to me today? What is it that needs to be addressed in my life today? Let's do that. Just bow your heads. In just a time of quiet. Father, may everything thought, everything spoken, and everything felt be blessed by you. First thing I want to share with you this morning is hope in Jesus gets you through the waiting. The Advent season is all about waiting. It's a time when we remember the long periods of waiting that precede uh, the first coming of Christ. And it's also a time when we reflect on our own season of waiting for the second coming. I'm waiting for the second coming. That first period of waiting stretched all the way from Genesis to Matthew. From Adam and Eve to Joseph and Mary, from the Garden of Eden to the manger of Bethlehem, the first signal of hope during that long period of waiting came shortly after Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden. And God told Adam, look, you're free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you surely will die. <clears throat> Adam and Eve both disobeyed this command from God bringing death not only upon themselves, but upon the entire human race to come. And when God appeared in the garden, pronouncing judgment on the serpent, 
the woman, the man, all seemed bleak, except there's actually a word of hope tucked away in God's judgment upon the serpent. God told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The serpent and his offspring represented Satan and all who follow in Satan's path. The woman and her offspring represent Eve and all those who follow God. And of course, there has been enmity or hostility between Satan and those who follow God ever since the garden. Ever since the garden. And yet, even this word of judgment, there's this beacon of hope for the people of God. Think about it. There's this beacon of hope. Because even though the woman's offspring at first seems to represent the descendants of Eve, verse 15 focuses on one very specific individual descended from Eve who will triumph over Satan and the evil he has brought on mankind. And Satan will strike his heel, but this special individual will crush Satan's head, bringing an end to Satan's rule of misery over humanity. These signals of hope in the form of prophecies continue throughout the Old Testament. When we begin to read it in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and he promises him. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And God fulfilled this promise by bringing the nation of Israel out of Abraham. And through that nation of Israel, God continued to give promises about special individual who would bring blessings to all the peoples of the earth. And through the long years of the waiting and the prophecies, they, they became more and more specific as you go through the scriptures, focusing more and more on the Messiah who would come as a prophet, priest, and king to rescue his people. Around 700 B.C., we come to the prophet Isaiah, who told King Judah in Isaiah 7, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. This becomes the clearest prophecy yet that that promised offspring would come and deliver his people. There were still many centuries of waiting to come and deliver his people. There was still a long period of time But these prophecies and the others like them continue to give people hope. Even when times seemed dark and bleak, these were the long and difficult days for the people of Israel. And yet their hope in the Messiah, the Christ, to come help them through the waiting. It's the same for us today. We all go through periods of waiting in our lives. We all need some sort of hope to get us through the waiting. And waiting is never easy. Like, look at the kids. They couldn't wait to rip open that box. Well, let me ask, what are you waiting on today? What are you waiting on today? I want you to know there's hope in Jesus, whether you're waiting on God's direction on a job or an answer to a specific prayer or or a response from someone you love, you know, whatever you're waiting for, let me just say this, there is hope in Jesus. And the candle of hope reminds us that hope in Christ is going to get you through the waiting. Hope in Christ helps you get through the distance. You know, hope in Jesus gets you through the waiting. Hope in Jesus helps you also go that distance. And an important part of the Christmas story has to do with the Magi who traveled to see Jesus sometime after he was born. Again, the Magi, we know they were pagan astrologers. They studied the stars and the maps. They interpreted dreams. We find these early instances of the Magi in the book of Exodus and uh, with Moses in Egypt. Then again in the book of Daniel. We're not told how many magi visited Jesus, but traditions say anywhere from 3 to 12. So we read about the magi in Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who had been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. We have to remember that the Magi are important for a number of reasons. They were a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah 60 verse 3. 
which spoke about the nations and the kings coming to Zion to worship the Lord. Their coming to Jesus was a foreshadowing of the gospel going out to the Gentiles and faraway nations. And the gifts they brought for Jesus were gifts what? They were fit for a king. Befitting of the birth of a king, the king of kings, the lord of lords. But what I want to focus on is the distance that these guys came to see Jesus. Matthew tells us they came from the east. So they were probably from Babylon or Persia at the time. And either way, they had to travel a very long distance. And as many as 1,500 kilometers. So, you know, possibly, can you think about that? That's like uh, just Edmonton to here. They were traveling over difficult terrain like Saskatchewan. But really, no, they did. They had difficult terrain. They had dangerous terrain. Why? In order to come and see Jesus. So what prompts them to make this journey? And the answer comes again back to hope. Because what did they do? They go, they meet Herod, and they say, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And you got to wonder how they would connect the star with the birth of the Messiah. But as the Magi, they would have been very interested in the stars. They would have been very interested in the prophecies. And of course, they would have had access to the Old Testament scriptures because the Jews who were exiled there centuries before would have had their own copies. So perhaps they focused on the prophecy of Numbers 24-7, which said, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel speculating but it's possible and this prophecy connects a star with the king of israel and they knew the star had signaled to them and the messiah had been born and it was with this hope that helped them go the distance to worship a newborn king in israel and it's the hope that we have in jesus that helps us get through the distance in this life we all go through trials in this life and it's easy for us to get very discouraged. Turn on the news and you just want to turn it off. And that's when it's so important to remember that God is with you. His essence, his name. That God will help you. That God has a purpose for you in your trials. And most important of all, that eternal glory awaits for us in heaven when it's all said and done. Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore, don't lose heart. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is not, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So how did Paul keep going when the going got tough? He had hope for the future. He had hope for the future. He had hope in Jesus, because Jesus helps us to go the distance. And finally, hope in Christ doesn't disappoint. Romans 5 tells us, hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You want to read that again? You want to read it and take it home? Hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into your heart. Your heart. By the Holy Spirit. Whom he's given us. God has poured out his love into your heart. Who needs to hear that today? You know, the Christmas story is filled of shining examples of people who put their hope in Jesus and didn't disappoint. You know, you had the Magi who traveled the distance to see him. Imagine if they went all that di distance and Jesus wasn't there. You know? <laughs> Sorry, there's nobody here. It would have been disappointing, but their hope wasn't disappointed. They found Jesus in Bethlehem, just as it was prophesied. There's so many other examples as well. As we remember that prophecy from Isaiah about the virgin who would give birth to a son. The prophecy was fulfilled when Mary gave birth to Jesus that first Christmas evening. We read of that in the Gospel of Matthew. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be a child who will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means what? Say it. 
Say it. Think how important those words are. God with me. Right? Let's, you know, yeah, I'm changing scripture a little bit because I'm trying to make it personal because we get very myopic. You notice that scripture is very, very inclusive, but when it comes to us, it's all about me. So let me just say this. If you're struggling to see the light, the candle of hope, God is with you. God is with me. You know, what about Mary? Here she is, a young lady told that she was going to give birth to a Savior. Even pregnancy is a time of waiting and expectation and, and in hope. And in this respect, you know, Mary's pregnancy was no different. We read in Luke chapter 2 where it says, Joseph went to Bethlehem to register Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All of Mary's hopes for that baby, when he was born, she held him in her arms, she wrapped him in cloth, she laid him in the manger. And Mary's hope in Jesus wasn't disappointed. There's Simeon, a man from Jerusalem who was waiting for the Messiah. We read in Luke chapter 2, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was, upright, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the constellation of Israel. Constellation of Israel, not constellation. Constellation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we miss that. God is speaking to this guy. And revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit. Do we see how the Spirit is working in Simeon's life? Moved by the Spirit, he goes into the temple courts. What a crazy feeling. He knows he needs to move. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon, bang, was on him took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, have you, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? Because Mary knows the promises. I'm sure Joseph does too. All of a sudden, this old guy shows up, grabs the baby. He's talking about hope. You know, again, God told Simeon, you'll, you'll see the Messiah before you die. And at that precise moment, Joseph and Mary are coming into the temple. Simeon's there in the temple, puts his hope in Christ. He's not disappointed. There's a prophet, Anna, prophetess Anna. She, we read about her in Luke 2 as well. She was very old. I like when Luke gets like that. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple. But worship night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. She's preaching. Probably lost her husband when she was still young, obviously. She lived many years as a widow, but she put all of her hope in God. And her hope wasn't disappointed. She saw the Christ. She saw the Messiah in the temple. And so we remember that Advent is, is not just about those who waited for Jesus' first coming. It's also about us who wait for his second coming. That's one of the prayers I heard over and over again in Ukraine. Jesus has come. I love it that when Christ comes, he's going to banish all evil. That he will make all things right that he will restore the earth, that we'll see Jesus face to face. Our hopes will be fulfilled at that moment. We read this in Romans 8, which says, We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has, but we hope for what we don't yet have 
and we wait for it patiently. When we put our hope in Jesus, we are not going to be disappointed. Romans 10 verse 11 says, anybody who trusts in him will not, will never, sorry, be put to shame. But if you put your trust in other things, they will disappoint you. When you put your trust in people, when you put your trust in possessions, when you put your trust in future plans that you've made, other things will disappoint you, but not Jesus. Jesus will never disappoint you. Hope in Christ does not disappoint. You know, again, Christmas is a wonderful season for a number of reasons. But most importantly is the reason is, is that the hope that Christ brings to a lost world. If you're discouraged this morning, if you're tired of waiting, if you feel like giving up, if you face too many disappointments in life, then let me point you to Jesus. And the hope that's found in Him alone. When discouraging and depressing news threatens to flood our world, the church and floods the church, it floods our soul at times. We need God's help to lift our heads, to lift our hearts, and to lift our hands. Hope moves us forward. Hope moves us forward. Christian hope has a realistic expectation of joyful longing for future good and, and glory based upon the reliable word of God. Scripture is reliable. The more that we long for the future, the less we will yearn for the past, the good old days. See, hope deletes regrets and underlines expectations. It diminishes drag. It increases momentum. You get hopeful, you be, start hanging out with people who are hopeful, it starts getting charged. You start going, you start moving forward. We can do this. We helped one of our sons move yesterday. He crushed my hope. Because we're unloading the van, the U-Haul that he got stuck on his, on his grass, but that's a whole other story. Who parks a U-Haul on snow-laden grass? Just ask him the question out loud. But, you know, we had this thing packed, I don't know, it was like 26 feet, and we're, I'm in there, and I'm just chucking stuff to the front. We got this train going, we got this train going, I'm feeling really good. Like, it took us way less time to empty the thing than it did to load it. And here we are, we're just doing it, and then, of course, the final four biggest pieces are there. And my son crushed me. He said, we need to stop. I go, what do you mean we need to stop? <laughs> we're almost done. We're almost, we're almost there. And I tried my best to encourage him, but he just, he needed a donut. <laughs> I can't argue with a kid who's taller than me that needs a donut. But you know, you're, what are you doing? You're trying to encourage. You're trying to make things happen. You're trying to keep going. And so when we have people who have hope, it becomes energetic. It becomes exciting. It increases momentum. As a matter of fact, hope energizes the present. Right? It's worth living today because the eternal tomorrow is so much brighter. Enjoy the moment that we have because we can't take it with us when we go. Right? We can't. Hug somebody a little tighter today. Hug your kid that drives you nuts. Hug your spouse that drives you crazy and never listens to you. Right? Hold on to them. Maybe your spouse needs some comforting. Do that. Maybe it's your neighbor. What is it? What is the moment that we need to live in today? Because whatever it is, we can't take us when we leave this earth. Take it with us when we leave this earth. Hope lightens our darkness. Let me be really clear here. Hope doesn't deny or remove the reality of dark, painful providences. However, it does shine a bright light into those valleys and it points to that sunrise at the end of them. Yeah, you may feel that you're in that darkness, but I look at this candle and the candle stands out. And it's interesting, the flame is obviously bigger the closer you get, but I, the further away I get from it, it's still there. 
And it's still hope. It's still going to guide me to where I need to go. It's still with me. Because that light has traveled all the way across space to get to me. It lightens our darkness. I like the next point is that hope increases our faith. Faith fuels hope. But hope also fuels faith. Hebrews 11 makes it very clear that hope and faith are very closely tied together. Take some time and read it. That one enlivens the other. Without faith, we cannot soar in hope. But without hope, faith becomes... It's going to limp home. The greatest believers that we read about in Scripture were the greatest hopers and vice versa. And hope is infectious. You know, we can drag others down, right? If we're miserable, if we're moping. But we can also inspire and motivate through inspiring hope to other people. It not only encourages other sagging Christians, if I can put it that way, but it also impacts depressed unbelievers who cannot at, but ask for a reason for they hope, why the hope is there that they see in us. We need to be that light. We need to be that representation. Hope is healing. Maybe you need to hear this today, especially today. As I said, we are caught up in a world that is Filled with a sense of hopelessness. I want to give people the opportunity to have hope. And in the vast majority of cases, I want to encourage people that they can get better, that there is a way out. There, there are things that they can do to help themselves in their felt helplessness. Maybe that's you today. But maybe you need to understand that hope itself is a huge step towards healing. It's huge. And hope is something that is so practical. It doesn't mean we just sit and we wait for utopia to appear. No, 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 no. Not at all. Hope motivates actions. When we hope for better days for the church, we serve the church. That's what we do. We serve one another. We serve our community. When we hope for the conversion of our children, we are motivated to share the gospel with them. It doesn't matter if they're eight months old or if they're 32 years old. You share. When we hope for God's blessing on his word, we listen to it much more avidly. God, speak to us. That's what we started off with this morning. Hope produces action. And again, maybe some of you need to hear this. Hope stabilizes the storm. There are 66 drawings of anchors in the catacombs. The caves and the tunnels were persecuted Christians hid during the Roman persecutions. Hope was their anchor during those dark and stormy days. And like the anchor, hope grabs. Think about it. Like the anchor. Why the anchor? Because hope grabs on to that which is out of sight. As one Puritan put it, they said, The cable of faith casts out the anchor of hope and lays hold of the steadfast rock of God's promises. So today you come. You come to church. We sing. We laugh a little. Are you looking for some hope today? How's your circumstance? How you really doing? And I have to say that hope is easier to find when you make communication with the Father a priority. We always have to remember that there is great power in prayer. And prayer is a privilege that we need to take seriously and that we do here at Seoul. And I, I honestly believe that we do. And sometimes we make great discoveries about God when we aren't expecting to do so. It's like he reveals himself. And sometimes when we're under pressure, we're able to see the way God provides and actually cares for us. And that brings us hope. You know, God does some of his greatest work in a pressure cooker. Right? Stumbled across this. It says, never forget. It takes broken soil to produce a crop. 
It takes broken clouds to give rain. It takes broken grain to give bread. It takes broken bread to give us strength. And in the midst of turbulent times, we find a power that we never knew we could have. The power from the Holy Spirit awakens within us an awareness that we are not alone. That he's alongside of us, that he's guiding us, that he's giving us comfort, that he's healing, and that power, and with that power, brings with it hope. Usually we don't think about the fact that God is in the process of doing something in our lives, especially when life is rough. But some of you are carrying some significant baggage. But anything that's important in life is worth the effort, and the important things usually take a whole lot of effort. I find that I refocus my attitudes when life is tough. And when I recognize that the Father is molding me into something more than I already am during the tough times. And God is constantly in the process of making us different, better, more usable. Doesn't mean that the pressure has to go away, but it does mean that the pressure has a purpose. Maybe there's a pressure in your life for a reason. And hope lives when we begin to understand that. And I realize that there is hope to be discovered in the middle of pressure. It may not be exciting to some of you listening to me right now. You might be sitting there, I don't really care about hope. I just want the pressure to end. I think that's what makes this point all the more exciting. At some point, the pressure really does end. It really does. And I think that's the great thing about being a believer in the one of the active things about Christianity for non-believers is that there's this promise of a day where the pressure ends. We read about it with the kids in Revelation. And on that day, it's gone forever. And we'll never be faced with that pressure again because Jesus is risen and there is hope. And I think that's the best news that we could ever get. And that hope allows us to face life every day knowing that God is in control even when it seems like chaos around us. And that hope allows us the freedom to become all that God has called us to be. The hope restores meaning and purpose from the rubble of our shattered lives. We don't have to face these problems and these pain and, and pressure alone. No, the one who created us and loves us will be with us through absolutely every situation. And often in our lives, we find ourselves in situations where we don't know what to do, right? The circumstance of life is swirled out of control. The pressure is all around us, and it's absolutely overwhelming. But the promise of God is that in that moment, wherever you find yourself, He does, not, uh, he, he does want what needs to be done. Sorry, He does what needs to be done. And he's not going to leave us alone. And he will not forget that we need him. And the Father stands with us. And we will never face the music alone. You are not alone. And that security should be bringing us hope. That hope is a precious gift given to us because Jesus lives. So how do you want to respond to this message this morning? I'm going to ask you to rise. In a moment, our worship team is going to sing. And before we even move to the communion table, can we just take a moment as to why we come to church to worship and to pray together? We're in no rush. Do you see how early I am? It's on purpose. If you desire to have somebody pray for you, our prayer team will be at the crosses. Again, you can go, tell them your name, tell them what you can pray for, they will pray with you. You can write your request down, you can stick it to the cross as well during this time. 
We gather those up. We send it to our prayer team. They pray over it all week. It goes to our staff. We pray for it all week. When you put your name on it, we can talk about you in staff meeting and say, how can we reach out to these people? Because that's our job as pastors. It's to provide care, to cover you in prayer. To do the best we can. But, to go back, how would you choose to respond to today's message of hope? Some of you feeling shattered and broken. Are some of you just carrying a burden that's unfathomable? You're just not ready for it? It's Christmas and this sucks? It's interesting. When I talk to people about going for prayer, when I talk to people, you know, they'll say, look, at I just got this diagnosis or this is just going on. Sorry, ladies, I'm just walking between. And I'll say, well, do you go to the cross? Do you go for prayer? Oh, no, I, I can't do That's when we need it the most. We have oil at both stations. We'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oil is not anything magical or mystical. It's just the type of the Holy Spirit. It represents healing. And if you're sick, if you're broken, ask for healing and our team will be anoint you and pray for you. Like what it says in James. We gather on a Sunday, our hearts, we come with all different distractions. Are we letting the Spirit speak? And as a staff, we decide that we want the Spirit to speak. And we don't want to be rushing with having to leave. We just want the Spirit to speak. So, we open with a prayer. We open with silence. Let everything thought everything spoken and everything felt be blessed by you what's God saying to you today and how do you choose to respond will you move for prayer will you stay in your group maybe ask somebody to pray with you that's fine will you sit and be contemplative that's fine or will you just join in worship and put your hands up and open yourself to the presence of the Holy Spirit join us with the team Actually, let me pray. And then you lead us. God, we're thankful for who you are. And thank you that you are with me in all that I go through. I thank you that you are in control of all things. And that, God, nothing is too difficult for you. So help me to remember that pleasing you of, uh, is of utmost importance to you. So God, I ask that you give me a heart that is thankful in all circumstances, especially the ones I don't understand. And we praise you regardless of our circumstances and may our hearts be filled with hope. God, I thank you that we're not abandoned or alone, but I'm able to call upon you for help at any time. And that I'm not without hope because I have a savior, I have a redeemer, and I have a rescuer. And don't let me sink into despair like David did when he prayed, Oh, long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? But God, help us instead to rise to, uh, uh, be like David where he, where, where he said, Help me to rise to my feet in praise. And what did he do? He sung. And what did he sing? He said, I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God, your word tells us that in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forever. And so we thank you that whenever suffering is present that, that you're there to show us how to be more like you through it. And God, I would pray for those that are in our midst today that, that we would not focus on the hardship but on the divine opportunity to become more like your son. Fill us with joy. Help me to love you and to trust you far more than I do at this very moment. Develop my trust in you so that the last thing I even think of doing is expressing fear or anxiety about my circumstances. 
than any loving father only allows what's best for his children. So you are only allowing what is best for me. So help me to love you all the more because your word says you are a loving father. And I know that nothing touches me that hasn't been first passed through your loving hands. God, increase my love for you daily. And may my love for others increase as well. Let's sing together.
got the diagnosis, you're struggling to get through, do you hear what we're singing? That in spite of the chaos and the turmoil, we are testifying, we are acknowledging to the great I am that it is well with my soul. So maybe, just maybe, some of you could just feel shattered. You just throw your arms up and surrender. God, everything around me is a mess. But it is well with my soul. And I need you to manifest yourself. I need you to provide healing. I need you to be that provider. I need you to give me wisdom and discernment. Can we sing that chorus again? And if that's you, just open yourself up to the Spirit. Let Him begin to do a, your piece of work. Let Him to do some work in you. And again, you can't control your outside circumstances, but you control what's going on in here. And allow that spark of hope somewhere. Let's go, take it away. said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to move into communion. I want to encourage all of you to come to this table, not because you must, but because you can. 
Not because you're strong, but rather because we are weak. And come not because of any goodness on your own gives you a right to come, but because you and I, we need mercy and help. So come. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and he gave himself for you. And come, let's together meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Paul wrote, he said, I received from the Lord which I also handed to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new cup, covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, God, we praise and we thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and his ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power and the lifting of the downtrodden and the healing of the sick and the loving of the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross for the redemption of the world and for your raising him to life again and as a foretaste of the glory that we shall share. And so we give you thanks for the bread and the wine, the symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. Continue to send your spirit, we pray, that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his name's sake. Amen. Parents, I want to invite you to make your way through those center doors. Your children are waiting in the atrium. As you go and you pick up your children, come back and you'll enter through this door and you'll be served by Pastor Andrew there. Communion and please make your way back to your seats. Everybody else is fairly simple. If you're, you're going to go out onto the right, <laughs> okay. And then you'll make your way back in and enter your seats through the left. So that section, you'll go visit Ryan at this cross. This section here, out to the right, and there's a uh, Debbie's at the back there by the door where the parents are going through, and then you can come back in. Same with you, out through the right, you can visit Debbie as well. And then come back in through the left. This team here, out through the right, and you can join Odette at the cross over here. Come back in through the left. The front, you can choose right down the middle. And you guys can go to either side, okay? As the worship team leads us in worship, please help yourself to some communion cups and then make your way back to your seats.
this is my body which is for you so do this in memory of me so take this in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving on this day of hope let's participate together in the same way he took the cup after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. And so we drink this and we remember Christ's blood was shed for you and for me. And we're thankful. Let's participate together. May we, may we who share Christ's body live his risen life. And we who drink of this cup, may we bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights, gives light to the world. May he keep us firm in the hope that he has set before us, so that we and all his children shall be free, and the whole earth lives to praise his name. Hallelujah. In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving the blessings did likewise. If you want a blessing, put it up in the air. At the end of the gathering, we're only going to take down the tables and the side because we have a worship tonight. Tonight, And I want to invite you all to come. Just come. It's a time of worship, and it's a great time. Our hearts need it. Soul Sanctuary, may God be beside you when you walk. May God be in your voice when you talk. May God be in your eyes when you see. May God be in your ears when you hear. May he be in your heart when you pray. May he be in your mind when you think. And may he be in your hands when you touch. In every sense, may it be that God is with you eternally. And may you make a difference in the world in which he has placed you. Now go and live the church and we'll see you next week. Be blessed. <laughs>